Welcome to the Tradfest podcast, brought to you by the Temple Bar Company. Hello from Temple Bar, Dublin. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by a person that's described as the first lady in Celtic music. Uh, she's a folk singer, an Irish folk singer, songwriter and a harpist. And I'm not sure, actually, if that sits well with you. It should, actually. Moya Brennan, we're delighted that you're with us on the podcast uh, today. Thank you. I'm so pleased to, to be here with you, Kieran. It's fantastic. Yeah, I suppose it sits all right with me, you know. Um, the owl... Uh, First Lady of Celtic Music, that's been there for a long time now. And I think it goes back to to really the time that um, I think I was kind of really the first uh, girl, a woman, I was a girl at the time maybe, to, to head to Europe as such. You know, the Furies were there, the Dubliners, the Chieftains and everything. But uh, I remember I was a, we were invited, Clannet were invited as um, uh, in the Irish Folk Festival Tour. Um, and uh, we went there and Ted Fury looked at me and he says, oh, we'll have no girls on this tour. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, we became great friends by the end of the, the actual um, tour. It was, I think, uh, um, George, uh, George Burke from Cork was there and Michael Russell and the Furies and ourselves. But so I, I was kind of... There were no women out there, really. I mean, I think there were some that might have gone to England or anything. So it was kind of, I, I think that's where it sort of stemmed from, that it was kind of regarded and it was used then in Germany a couple of times when we were back there. And, um, you know, that was... So it's true in every sense then? Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, it certainly is in my book anyway. That you mentioned that tour of Germany. What year mm. roughly would that have been? It's 1976. Um, that's a long time ago when you think of it, and it was uh, we seventy five. It might be actually because we had made our first album in seventy three. We won the Letterkenny Folk Festival in nineteen seventy. Made the first album in seventy three, um, because that was the prize from the Letterkenny Folk Festival was to be make an album. But your um, Polydor wasn't interested in making a, an album with a a little band that was singing Gaelic songs in Donegal. So when we were in the National Song Contest singing a Mick Hanley song and Ferk, um, there was a bit of publicity around us and John Woods was in charge and, uh, of, of Polydor at the time. And he said, oh, I think we have a we have a we some sort of a, an agreement with, with, uh, with that band to make an album. So we went in, they brought us into him and Andrew's studio and... Uh, a guy called John Corn, who was a, a jazz saxophonist and sang in Family Pride. Um, they got him in to produce it. And uh, we did it in Eamon Andrew Studios in two days, and that included mixing. So there you go. And, and the funny thing was, though, I remember John Corn coming to my little uh, bed sit out in Ranla and asking us to, you know, play a couple of songs that we, we could record on it. And, you know, um, and I remember us doing Yelshin Laya, and he went, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And he bought his friend Johnny Wadham, the jazz drummer, in. So right from the start, you know, everybody thinks, ah, oh, they're bringing in drums now, you know, on their fifth or sixth album. From the start, go, get go. We had a jazz drummer, you know. People kind of tend to forget that. Um, so, you know, that it was really exciting. But uh, the reason I was telling you that was the, the, the couple that were doing the Irish Folk Festival tours 
in uh, Germany, um, Carson and Gabby, um, they came to Donegal. They heard that album, would you believe? Somewhere in Germany. I don't know how, because it, w- it wasn't exported anywhere. Um, and we used to smuggle them. I don't know if you used to do the, the same oh, thing, but we'd have to smuggle albums inside the door of the van. Yeah. Um, but anyway, they heard the first album and they came over to ask us, would we be part of the, it was their second ever Irish folk festival tour visiting 30 cities um, in all over Germany. And we'd be doing a 35 to 40 minute slot every night. I should, goodness me, it was like a dream come true. You know, I mean... Uh, I was teaching it in in a school in, in Falcara at that time, you know. That's just what I was going to ask you. So I want to take you back just a little bit before that. Then, what like was it your intention? Was it was it part of the plan that you would become a professional musician? Bearing in mind that your your mother was a music teacher, right, and your father a performer himself. Yeah, I mean, you know, my father had a show band. My mother was a music teacher. She had the Gaelic songs, and so. You know, uh, with the with the with that kind of background, it was there was a fusion there from the word go because my father having a show band with his parents first and then with him, you know, that's the instruments that were around the house. And you you know yourself, uh, cultists have incredible schools all around the co- country now, and you know, and and you can set up amazing schools for kids to learn trad instruments. But then it was there was nobody. Uh, teaching trad instruments and so it was like if it was in your house but your auntie or your uncle or whatever was playing those instruments it'd be handed down um but what was handed down to us was show band <laughs> show band stuff you know yeah. drums and guitars and double bass that's where kieran found the double bass it was in my father's band and you're getting and, um, you're getting ahead of all my questions here but this is i'm good. sorry i'm sorry but 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 you know uh, so that was kind of what happened to us we we grew up speaking in irish it was our first language uh my mother's uh parents were our our schoolmaster and and teacher and they were always into the culture and teaching us songs so we grew up with loads of songs so we had the gaelic songs and then my father sent me to sligo to learn the harp um because that's where mary (laughs) o'hara was uh learned the harp i think and that's he had this idea that it'd be nice for me to to learn the harp and i hated it absolutely hated it it was just that image you know but at nice. that time, of course, the image Pauline. would have been one thing. But at that time, there weren't really that many people playing the harp. No. Um, and, and, you know, they, they teach you, you know, you learn through the academy. So it wasn't by ear. Um, so it was like by notes and doing the exams and everything and playing all the hymns and different things and the spinning wheel. And it was only that, you know, when we'd be... You know, it was during the kind of the holidays when we'd go home. When my father opened the pub in, in 1960, 68, um, you know, it was a stage and microphones and every, everything. And so people used to, when people used to leave the pub at night, the boys used to get up, plug in everything and play. Just, you know, have the crack and, you know, and sometimes the O'Donnells would... would uh, would join us, Michal and the High Sproul and that, because they'd be always up there around the summer, and you know. Um, but it was, it, you know, and I, they said, why you take the harp out? And it was only when, when they were, I was using the harp to kind of 
be part of the arrangements did I kind of start to enjoy the harp as such you know I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bitty harp player you know really but I think it was my downfall was just you know you, you learned it academically rather than by the ear you know by ear um, I learn a lot from Cormac de Barra now because he plays with me a lot and, and uh, he's very encouraging to me. <laughs> he's a fantastic influence on, on many musicians for sure. But you had learning by ear anyway uh, before you were learning to play the harp. So I presume you were able to combine those kind of elements of your playing at some stage. Um, well, it was kind of, I had to undo kind of that yeah. to, to really learn you know, to, to learn by ear, I think for me, um, because it was hard for me to learn tunes and that, but they weren't in our family anywhere from the get go, you know. Um, so it was, it was all to do with the arrangements of songs. And then Kieran and I discovered the um, Carlin tunes, of course, uh, the book, that great book. I was in, a, um, in, a, in an old uh, kind of bookshop in Dublin down by the keys and I found these two old Carlin books one about his about his about his uh, life and another with all his tunes in it um and you know I started and that's kind of what I started then to play some of the old Carlin pieces that I I, I loved you know now you mentioned that your father uh, encouraged you to play the harp was there any particular reason by the way he he wanted you to play the harp oh I think it was the image you know was it? that Nice Colleen image. I don't know. He, I mean, he just, my father and mother were great as far as they just made sure that we had music anyway. You know, they brought us to the piano lessons and everything. And I mean, up then, you know, and you're talking about the 50s and that, you know, Kieran, and, you know, people were laughing at him, basically, Ira and Leo. You're wasting your time there. You know, it was like, you know, now they're kind of shoving their kids on the stage. But, but it was just something he and my mom, thought it'd be be just good to have it's just music you know because he learned he taught himself um you know his mother was a drummer his father was a piano player his sister played the accordion his brother played the trumpet he learned himself the saxophone the clarinet and the piano accordion and you know bit in the piano and and he was self-taught basically um and he just wanted to make sure that we had a bit of grounding, you know. So you so, couldn't really escape it? No, and then, of course, I don't know if you remember, and I don't know if it was, I'm sure it was down uh, your way as well, but there used to be lots of facias years ago. And every little, you know, every every um, kind of town had their festival. And part of the festival, you know, there'd be a little face, um, and, you know, the under 12s and the under 14s and everything, singing Gaelic songs, of course. Um, and so we, my mother used to put us in. She would teach us songs, and 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 she'd put us in um, to these faces all over Donegal. And we hate, you know, you kind of hated them. It was like, oh, you want to be out playing, and there you were in learning a song, you know. <laughs> well, now that you mentioned, okay, your father and he encouraged you. Uh, to play the harp, you say, for image possibly uh, at that time. But did he kind of say to Kieran, well, you should play the bass and say to Paul, well, you should be playing the flute? Or did he <laughs> allow them to find their own they, ground? He, 
he allowed them to find their own ground. I mean, there was the guitars and the bass and the drums and everything all around the place. And Paul just fancied taking up. He he was starting. I think when Clan had started off, I think he was playing, you know, a bit of the bongos and a bit of whatever available to him. And it was his decision to pick up the the flute himself, the silver flute, you know. Now you developed an incredible sound. I I saw you in concert in Ennis. Uh, in the West County, and you had like Clannad were coming to town. It was just something awesome was happening, and that's probably that's in the seventies now. And you had particular attention paid to your sound setup as well. I remember that distinctly, so that you you you, you kind of had the audiences in awe of what you were doing musically and what you were doing with sound. So you you took it very seriously from the start. Yeah, uh, early on, there was a, a guy came in, Nicky Ryan came in, and he thought it'd be a good thing to, you know, that that, that was something that he would bring uh, to us because he kind of heard what we had. He heard what we were doing vocally because that's really what we were about. And, you know, coming from Donegal with the Gaelic songs and everything, I mean... Kieran, we we weren't really liked by the gay by the Gaelicaries, you know, because they didn't like what we were doing to the songs, you know. It it wasn't, you know, yourself. The sessions years ago, for for a break in the session, somebody would sing a song, and you used to accompany. There was no accompany to the song. The only instrument that was allowed to to kind of play along, as far as I know, I was told anyhow, was a harp. Um, and anything else. It was just an unaccompanied song and that was it. So for us to take songs and not alone have harmonies to them, but like to play arrangements with a double bass and guitars, it was like a, just a no-no, a no-no. So nobody wanted to, you know, you had, it was the time as well that the ballad scene became big and nobody wanted to hear people singing in Irish. Um, so because they couldn't sing along with us, um, and then the 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 Gaelic people didn't want it because they thought we were destroying the the songs. So yeah, you had no hope. So, we had no hope. Nobody wanted to hear us, and you know I remember singing in a in a bar down in Cavan, and during singing Conlogloss and Lower, I heard a whole commentary of somebody describing a football match beside right beside me. <laughs> you know, they just didn't want to listen to, you know, Gaelic wasn't an in thing. I mean, when I was young, you know, when we, well, you know, when we were going to Dublin, I, I wasn't allowed up to Dublin until I was very, at fair age. But, um, but you know, going up to Dublin, some of the local people would turn around to you and say, oh, don't, don't talk to me in Irish, because it wasn't kind of an in thing, mm. you know. It was kind of a, you know, you were from the back of beyonds. And it was like, it was a poor man's language, and so it was regarded as that. How did you break down the barriers then uh, with your music? We kind of didn't care because, well, you know, probably one of the saving grace was my father having a bar because what it did for us was it was a stage, and he allowed us to go up before him. First it was 20 minutes, then it was a half an hour, and people were coming in. Now, it was funny because it was the visitors that were coming in you know, during the holidays, they would come in um, to listen to us. Now, and we'd mix them up. We'd sing a, you know, a, a 
Donovan song and a Dylan song and a Joni Mitchell song and then we'd sing a Gaelic song and then we'd sing another Gaelic song then we'd sing a Beatles song and you know we just we you know to us it was just music you know and we kind of the more we were singing then and, and by having the opportunity on on a, you know on a stage to sing there was kind of more we were kind of enjoying the Gaelic songs and kind of realizing the beautiful melodies and the words and everything. But the local people would kind of nearly turn their back. I said, ah, you know, nobody wants to hear them, you know, because they were into country music, you know. But you so, did you did persuade an audience. I mean, you took your music onto the international stage. But I, I think that from the word go, we, we kind of just took it upon ourselves that we just loved what we were doing, you know, we didn't kind of say, let's get a band together and go out there, make lots of money and be famous because you wouldn't be singing in Gaelic if you were thinking in those lines. We we just sort of grew with it and just enjoyed what we were doing. Now, the opportunity, like from the word go, like getting to do the um, the, the German Folk Festival, uh, that 30 day stint that we did, 30 city stint that we did, um, the last night was in the Berlin Philharmonic Hall. There were big halls we were playing, because um, it was a big show. It was like for two and a half hours, you know, of Irish music. Um, and and the last night was in the Berlin Philharmonic, and we got a standing ovation. So we went in to the dressing room, and we looked at each other, and he says, well, we go professional and see what happens, you know. I mean, that's, I suppose, how naive we were in a way, you know. Uh, and and it was after shortly after that that we kind of met Nikki and that. But but it, this couple Carson uh, yeah, Carson Linda and and Gabby Nendel became our agent in Germany then. And you know we went back then uh, you know at the beginning of the the next year and we started off playing in little folk places and lovely little kind of venues. And we went twice a year. Um, and they didn't care that we weren't singing in 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 uh, in English. We'd explain the songs to them, and um, and it helped us survive, and it helped us develop, and it grew. Like within two or three years, we were back in playing in Stadthall as ourselves as our own. You know, so that's kind of how it built. It was very natural in a way. You know, that particular tour with Karst and Linda that was so important to bands, wasn't it? Heading out to begin their careers uh, in Europe. Yeah, I mean, a lot of bands. Some, did you yourself do it? We did. Yeah, it was good, wasn't it? As oh, far a, as just, look. it opened up, you know. It was a, very a sociable as well. Oh, it was great crack. Mm. <laughs> it was. We did it twice, actually. We we went back out after a couple of years after that. We, we did it again. But it, it was really enjoyable. It was Great a fantastic fun. introduction, there's no doubt, for, for bands in Europe. But wh- where did you develop? I mean, Germany then became a big market, let's say, for Clannad and its music. But where did you develop from there? Did you expand across Europe from there? Oh, yeah, because we got to know through them, we, you know, different ages. There was a, a lovely woman in Austria. Um, there was, you know, they they kind of, we through Carson, I think, and Gabby, I think we got to know different people. There was Leon. Uh, in Belgium, he took us to Belgium and Holland. Uh, we went to France. We went to Italy, Switzerland as well. So we kind of got it. Kind of just flowed. I mean, you know, we weren't kind of 
very good at looking after ourselves. It kind of, you know, people came to us and maybe it's because we had, you know, we were maybe a bit different that people heard, but it was a lot of word of mouth, you know. And was it made a little easier, uh, the fact that you were family? Yeah, I would say because people sort of often say to me, you know, do you, do you get on all the time? But, you know, I'm the eldest of nine and, and we still get on, you know what I mean? We, we're kind of, I have four brothers and four sisters and, you know, any excuse, we love getting together. Um, so it's a credit to my mum and dad, really. And I, I think that, I, I think that, Definitely, if we weren't a family, we mightn't have stuck together as much as we did because we kind of leaned on each other. You know, there were loads of times when you didn't have two pennies to rub. But we'd go back to Donegal, my parents would put up with us and we'd be serving the bar, we'd be singing in the bar, you know. <laughs> and, um, you know, and we just survived because we were there in it together, I guess, you know. They were fantastic parents. and I presume then that it took great pride in your success eventually. Yeah, you know, we did, I mean, you know, and you have to bear in mind now that people thought we were, we were a bit mad singing in Irish. <laughs> um, that, but we did six albums, you know, uh, to whoever would pay for a studio uh, for us, whether it be Tara or Galen or whatever. Um, uh, you know, we I think the last album before Harry's Game, we, we had 10 days in the studio in Winmer Lane, which was amazing. Um, but, you know, mainly the bulk of what we were doing was Gaelic. Um, and, and then when we when we were approached by this guy called George Seymour, uh, who wrote, right, he's a great writer, and he wrote a book called Harry's Game. And he heard Fuam, he heard the album Fuam, and there was a track on it. And at and, and this stage as well, we were experimenting maybe a little bit more with our, with our uh, Gaelic songs. You know, we were adding more keyboards and mellotrons and you know just anything that you know we were listening to music i suppose coming from outside you know like uh you know music from america and in england and that and the different ways that it was developing so we were adding some kind of keyboard effects and everything blending it in with our voices and that and he heard a song that we did we were experimenting with called wadags the holy yali it was a scotch gaelic song and we often did Scottish Gaelic songs because Donegal Irish and, and Scots Gaelic was, it's, you know, there's, there are similarities. And they loved it. And he wanted something very different. He approached Yorkshire TV, who was doing this three-part series, and um, he said he wanted something different musically. And he said, uh, you know, and he played them the song. And I think they even had in mind to use that song. Um, but they came to Dublin to meet us, and we didn't know what they were going to uh, show us. We thought it was a documentary or something. And, and um, uh, they showed us uh, the, the, the it was, you know, it was quite harrowing. But what we liked about it, because coming from Donegal as well, we, we were never really a political band as such, you know. Uh, it was, to us, it was all about the culture. Um, so, um, you know, because growing up, we had lots of friends from both sides of the water from Northern Ireland, you know. Um, and so, so kind of when we saw it and it was kind of really clearly showing two guys mainly and, and they both die. And it was kind of, we liked the sense that it, it was, you know, nobody wins in a sense of war kind of thing. You know, we, we liked the, the, the kind of 
the thread that went through it. Um, so they said, it was, you know, they were talking about Wodak Sohori Ali, and we said, you know, that really wouldn't fit, you know, with, with the, because it's about a woman in Scotland and it's a walking song. Um, so, um, so Kieran and Paul piped up and said, look, we will try and write something. And before this, we've only, we only attempted to write kind of a little bit of a melody or something in previous albums. We didn't do much writing at all. Um, so myself and Kieran and Paul got together. We had a Prophet 5, a tape recorder. Kieran had an old book of, of, uh, that belonged to my grandfather of old sayings. And he opened this, the parts of kind of referring to death and things. And it was Imahoy Shetashia Adanike Dio and Yalahas and Yidia. And so it was kind of everything will cease to be youth and beauty. The, you know, what's here today is gone tomorrow. It's kind of, it was just a, it was lovely phrases. So we kind of used that and we did a, a, a small kind of um, idea, sent them an idea of what we thought and they loved it. And they sent over um, a guy, he was after coming, being an engineer with 10cc. And you know that song, big boys don't cry, you know, with all the harmonies and everything. So he came in and he said, he said, you know, I have this idea because of the way you use your voice, we will record double uh, you know track and track your your voices and put them into the console and that's how harry's game developed and it was amazing yeah and a whole new aspect then for planet to look at musically well you know you know when somebody turned around to me when we said you know what's it like writing a pop song and i said he wrote it in irish <laughs> you know you kind of go you know, we didn't write it to appear on top of the pops, you know. Mm. Um, and, and what was really lovely about it was the fact that it was in Gaelic. Because it was like, you know, we always did what... You see, I, I think that Clannad always did what we felt was for us, you know, musically good. Or, you know, we always wanted to experiment. We always wanted to, to kind of try new things. And, and it was, you know, so, you know... After Harry's game, sure, we did 26 episodes of Robin of Sherwood, which is an English legend. But it didn't matter. We'd kind of already proven that Gaelic is alive and well and happening. Well, and yeah. thanks to Clannard, there's no doubt uh, it's it's uh, fame spread across the world. Uh, that Robin of Sherwood followed on. Did that become tedious in any way, or were you still sort of in awe of what you were doing, let's say? Uh, it, we were kind of in awe because it was quite trying. You can imagine, like, you're spending 10 days in a studio doing Fuam, and then all of a sudden, um, you know, you're you, you doing Har you did, um, Harry's Game, and then you're, you're signed to a big company in London. And we had, you know, a, a, I think six or seven weeks to make an album, which was incredible. Um, but then... You know, we were asked to do to do this thing. You know, Paul, we we were kind of reluctant at first to kind of because it, it was an English folk hero, but they were so they were using some of a magical ring album to the rushes and everything, and they were they just loved the idea of like you know just approaching something completely different. 
So we met up with them. I mean, we used to go on set and everything. We, we got to know the lads. It was just, you know, the actors and everything. And they still, some of them still come to our gigs, you know, Mark Ryan, Cyrus, and I meet Ray Winston sometimes and, you know, um, Michael Prade. And it, it, it's, it was lovely, the whole thing. But it was, it was quite um, trying. We had to do an album and then you know, 13 episodes and ended it another 13 episodes. But they kind of left us alone, which was good. They they allowed us the, the space uh, and everything. And uh, but it was it was, you know, it, it was quite um, we didn't get fed up with it, but we did it. You know, it pushed us in an area which, you know, you have to remember, like the Magical Ring album was kind of half and half, like with traditional songs and new songs. And then all of a sudden, this was all new. Um, so it was. It was. A, it was a real challenge, but we were kind of in it together. And I suppose you know, trying everything. And did that mean more touring for you then, into sort of almost more exotic places? Well, the the name Clannad became known, and you know, we we the agencies became bigger and. Uh, the band became bigger because then all of a sudden we could have, you know, a drummer on stage with us and the likes. And um, at one stage for me, it got too much, you know, um, and lost the kind of the core of 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 like what we started and what we were about. But at the same time, you know, if you don't try these things, because if you look at what the way Clannad were and us trying everything and you know, we, we we continued to do that. I mean, we did an album called Sirius and, you know, everybody was saying, oh, what are they trying to do? They're trying to be like Fleetwood Mac and everything. And, you know, because we were using a, an American producer. But, you know, we wanted to use an American producer to see. You, you have to try everything. And if you, you know, we did. And some of it was good. Um, you know, it wouldn't be my favorite album. But at the same time, it's kind of, you know, uh, there's songs and I, I absolutely love. So but but it's all about, you know, you know, people have asked me, Kieran, about, you know, what what is it about music? Can, can you give me any advice? And one of the things I'd say to them is. When you think you know it all, give it up, you know, because really you, you just it, there's just so much to learn all the time, isn't it? And you did, of course, collaborate then with others. So then again, there were other influences coming in on your, your, your sphere of music. Yeah. Well, the way I see that is like, you know, we created our own kind of oak tree and the roots were solid. And when, when it's, you know, it's like when people sometimes think about traditional music and they're afraid that it might lose the context, contents of what it's the real core is about and everything. If it's solid and Irish music is so solid and it's just rock solid because of like where it's come from, all our great singers and players, you're never going to lose that, you know, but it's okay to add branches because it reaches more people. And then if people wanted to find more things, you know, and we kind of felt that we we were solid enough in where our root was and where we came from and you know our sound and everything, so we weren't afraid of testing the water with various things, whether it was a different producer or different singers or you know, 
it only adds, it only, it only makes you learn more, you know. Even if they were saying you have it ruined all those years before. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> like the amount of times I've heard that kid, hundreds and hundreds of times, like the amount of times that like being criticised and you know being thrown out of gaily clubs because because of what we did. Mm. I mean, literally, you know. Um, we have got apologies since, though, believe it or not. But, but like, it, it did happen, you know, because people actually thought we were, you know, making a mess of things. And I think that we always wanted to to feel that kind of, um, that, you know, finding new things or seeing how far you can push something. And, and we did push things. <laughs> oh, well, it's been fantastic. And... Uh, you came to a point then when the band stopped touring and let's say stopped performing for a while. So that gave you sort of space to experiment yourself. Yeah, well, it was brilliant because Kieran and Paul were mainly the writers, um, you know, and, and fantastic they are too. Um, but it kind of, you know, I, I, I was a singer and I, you could say I got a bit lazy by just letting them do that. I'd, I'd throw in my two bobs worth or whatever and and uh but i you know there came a time when i thought with all the influences and all the things that i've done i was just interested to see if there was something in there so i i when i approached the record company in in london i said i i might be interested in doing a solo album they supported me and to my surprise um and i started to look at loads of different singer songwriters especially in ireland uh, because I didn't think I'd be capable of writing songs myself. Um, but I ended up on my first album doing them all except one, which is a Christy Hennessy song, whom I think I love Christy Hennessy. I think he's a great writer. And um, so, uh, you know, it was, and I wouldn't say that some, when I listen to my first album now, some of them are a bit, you know, the approach might be simplistic or whatever, but that's how you grow. Um, and I and loved, I got to really like writing, but I love co-writing uh, a lot. At the moment, uh, I do a lot of that with my own son and daughter, Ashley and Paul, which like their influences are completely different from mine. So it makes it even more interesting. But, you know, um, Paul decided he wanted to, you know, do a bit more of, of um, uh, film music and different things like that. And he has done quite a lot of that. And Kieran just wanted to stop touring for a bit because you can get tired. You know yourself, Kieran. You can get tired touring the world. You don't see much. Everybody thinks it's very glamorous, and you know you're living out of a suitcase, and you know. And um, so, so I, I, you know, it 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 just gave me a, a bit of scope to be able to explore that. Um, and I've done so much in in the sense that a lot of people outside of Planet, you know, have asked me to sing on their albums, whether it's the likes of. Michael Crawford to Robert Plant. I mean, you know, when you grew up, when I grew up in Donegal years ago, Kieran, and if somebody had told me that I'd be sitting in a studio with Robert Plant and him say to me, yeah, you know, I want you to do your thing. And, you know, and, and I'm sort of going, you know, this is, this is, you know, Led Zeppelin. I, I mean, you can't get better than that, can it? <laughs> there you go. From there to Van Morrison to the Chieftains. I Van, mean, they're yeah. all in there. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, you know, I. so I've enjoyed it so much. And I rarely say no to anything, you know, because you just, it's a challenge to take things on. So so I continue to do that. 
you know, to 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 explore writing and doing more stuff with, you know, I mean, the likes of writing with Hans Zimmer, that was another um, huge thing to do. I mean, for me anyway, uh, to go to Los Angeles and, and be part of his entourage and everything and a, an amazing experience. And were you um, nervous about that particular experience? Yeah, you, you are, because, you know, you, you I, I don't know, but I think, you know, just talking to other musicians as well, I think that, you know, we can all be in the same boat as like, you know, a lot of them anywhere, you know, can be sort of saying to yourself, will they find me out? You know, that kind yeah, of thing, <laughs> you know, well, they kind of, you know, because you're among people that are different, you know, but what, what I've learned is everybody has something special in themselves. And, you know, I was sitting at one stage with like, conductors and arrangers and the likes of whatever and you know beyond my musical ability but my approach was quite simple and straight but they couldn't think like that so you know I did something and they said wow that's amazing you know and I'm kind of going everybody has something to give you know what I mean so it's, everybody it's not to brings be, something to the table yeah, yeah yeah so it's not it's not about you know being as good as the next person or whatever, we just have all have our own kind of little thing, you know, that we can bring to the table. So what did you bring to the table in one of the great collaborations, actually, with uh, Cormac de Borough? Oh, my gosh. That's fantastic. Uh, I mean, you know, I I think that my heart playing has improved quite a bit since, since, um, uh, since uh, you know, playing with Cormac because it's, first of all, it's just such an amazing thing to have another harp player and the likes of Cormac on stage is amazing. It's just a lovely, you know, it's lovely to have two harps on stage, um, but to have his backing is just like, and his voice and, uh, you know, and everything. So we, we've made three albums ourselves um, and that's great. I love writing with Cormac. We, we really, it doesn't take us long at all. We go in there and we just hit on things. It's amazing. Um, and, and how Cormac ended up, I did an album called Two Horizons um, and there was a lot of harp on it. I did an awful lot of harp throughout the whole thing and I knew that if I was doing it live, it could be very trying and being doing all the harp bits and singing as well and everything. Um, and I remember Cormac coming to a, a, a one of my shows. His brother was playing with me at the time, Finon, and um, we started to talk and he said, oh, well, you, if you ever need a harp player, and I'm looking at him so saying, what? You wouldn't, you know. And uh, and that's, he, he kind of, you know, I jumped at it. <laughs> that's a fantastic combination. Yeah, it is. It's great, actually. And of course, uh, the wheel seems to have turned almost fully because Ashling and Paul, your own kids, are playing in the band with you. Well, they're playing in my band yeah. and they're playing in the Clannad band. Oh, which is stuff. completely amazing. And it's kind of brought Clana back to nearly the core of what, you know, where we started off with, with just, we're out there now, myself, Kieran, Paul, Noel, Ashin and, Ashin and my Paul, um, and, uh, and then a percussionist drummer. And it's kind of, you know, it's, it's a lovely feel. And um, because they sing as well, because they speak Irish, because uh, it just, it, it, I mean, never in my wildest dreams did I think that when I was on the other side of the world, missing Paul's second birthday and missing school, special school events and everything, that here I am 
out now on tour with my kids behind me, you know. So it, it is it is a bit unreal, really. So they're able to say, this is what you were at? Well, not only that, but the nice thing about them as well, from the word go, you know, they never kind of looked at me and sort of said, you know, I don't want to sing with my old mother, you know. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> they, they just kind of, you know, they, they, they grew up with the whole music thing. They heard a lot of different kinds of music. Um, they heard, they grew up with Clannad and they loved the whole thing that Clannad was about. So that was kind of, I suppose, helpful. You say they grew up listening to a lot of different influences. That's what you grew up listening to as well uh, in your home. You mentioned that earlier on. By the way, we've been asking people here on the podcast what they've been doing during lockdown or how they've been coping. Sounds like you've been pretty busy. Um, yeah, believe it or not. Uh, I mean, I spent the first, we were, we started the Clannad uh, Farewell World Tour yeah. um, in in February. And you know when people sort of say, yeah, it's going to be like, you know, Purple Convention or Bagatelle, you'll be back again. And But this is, no, we will not. This is definitely, we made, we, we did a tour uh, a year ago in Germany, a small tour, and we looked at each other and said, let's do one final, you know, you know, because we were a family, we never broke up as such, even though we stopped playing. So we just wanted to kind of finally just go out there, play in as many places as we could and call it quits. We really all wanted and agreed with that. So we started at the end of February and by the 16th of March, everything was called to a halt. So I came back and went straight up to Donegal and stayed there for six months um, and enjoyed it. Uh, it was absolutely brilliant to be there. But after that, you know, and in between all that as well, there were kind of things that you'd be asked to do. And, you know, um, I, I, there's a, a documentary being done on myself, Misha Mahane. Um, and um, I've been doing parts of that through this year. Um, there's been a couple of TV shows being done on Clannad um, that's going to be shown at Christmas time. Um, there's uh, different things that we did for showing for, for PBS in America, um, up in Donegal doing a, a, a different version of In a Lifetime um, with uh, uh, Denise Chyla, um, who's incredible. And nice. yet again, you know, it's really great and great fun to do something with something completely different. Um, and that's what we like doing. I saw the clip of yourselves and Denise Chyla. You were in an amazing space when you recorded that. Yeah, it's in, in Dunlouis uh, in Donegal, just over the road from me, Kieran, And it's absolutely spectacular place. And um, it's it's uh, wonderful, uh, it, you know, and to be able to do something like that outdoors and, you know, it was a bit cold, but, you know, I grew up in Donegal. I know what it's like. <laughs> but it's it's lovely to be able to do those kind of things and have the backing to be able to, to perform. And It's going to be a treat for people to see that particular piece on TV yeah. over the Christmas. It's just stunning the way it's shot and the performances are absolutely beautiful. Yeah, no, it is. It's, I have to say now it's... Um, it, it was a real treat in doing it. I've seen some of it. I can tell you it's lovely. <laughs> By the way, uh, before we let you go, we've been asking our guests as well, what else? I mean, have they been just listening to music just to relax for themselves during this time? Because it's been a really strange time. It has been really very strange. And um, obviously, I mean, it's lovely having music. You know, when you're when you're busy and everything, you don't get an opportunity to kind of 
to to listen to much music because there's so much in your own head and you want kind of quietness when you're learning things and when you're preparing for tours and everything. So having the opportunity to kind of just be able to relax. And I mean, I'm just a huge avid fan of, of Joni Mitchell. I have always been from from way back in the 60s to now. Um, and, and I will never, never stop uh, listening to her. She's, you know, so she's on my... My turntable. I'm back to vinyls again as well. And I'm so glad I didn't get, and Tim, my husband Tim, didn't get rid of his, his um, albums. So I've got all these albums um, that I'm listening to. And I got one, uh, I was um, on tour there, I was in a market, and I got one of my favorite, well, it is my all-time favorite album um, of, a, a, of, a, of a, something I was introduced to in Germany years and years ago. And I got the vinyl of it. I saw the vinyl of it and I couldn't believe it. It was uh, Keith Jarrett's Live in Cologne. It is the most stunning 26 minutes you will ever hear on live piano, just a piano playing in, in you know, this guy in Cologne. And it's just, I'll never get sick of it. I just put that on and it just brings me to a different place. But it, there's loads of people I listen to. You know, I love listening to Christy Moore and Paul Brady, Seth Lakeman, people like that, you know. And, and I'm always, you know, the, the kids always keep me, you know, they're always playing things. But it's lovely as well that we've, you know, I've gone back to listen to a bit of radio. Um, and particularly I go up and down Donegal a lot. But listen to yourself on the radio. It's fantastic. And Fiechno Brinan late at night. And it, it like... It's it's lovely to to listen to radio, isn't it? So Moya, the plans that were in place for this final final tour of Clonet this year are they they've been put in abeyance until next year? Do you intend to pick up the pieces? Well, when uh, when we're allowed to go out, I think you know I think everybody's dying to go out and tour and play. But isn't it amazing how people miss music and it's such an essential part to everybody's being as far as a wellness and everything it, and, and people take it music for granted and listening and you know when there's a session on the pub and everything it's there and you're drinking the pint or whatever but it's there you know and you miss it when it's not there you know and I think people really have missed music it's one of the big things that people have missed in their life um, and definitely uh, now I don't know everything was put back for a year which would be getting out there in March 2021 but I think that it's not going to happen probably until 2022 so you know maybe the end of next year we'll be picking up the pieces and 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 going to the places we were meant to go like everything's just been put back for a, a, a year but we, we are going to go out and do that farewell tour well we wish you the best Maya Brennan thanks a million for being with us on the podcast and let and thank you again for having me. Thank you for listening to the Tradfest podcast. For more information on Tradfest, go to tradfest.ie. Tradfest is brought to you by the Temple Bar Company.